Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. I live in Southern California, Los Angeles. This is Baja Norte. If you do not speak Spanish in Los Angeles, well, you're missing out on a whole lot. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. And for a very limited time, LeVar Burton Rees listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off, visit rosettastone.com slash LeVar. That's rosettastone.com slash L-E-V-A-R. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. In every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction, and I read it to you. And the only thing these stories have in common is that I love them. And I hope you will, too. Our story today is from the writer Laura Chow Reeve, and it's called 1,000-Year-Old Ghosts. Now, Laura is a Robert J. Dow Short Story Prize winner, and this particular story is part of the new short fiction anthology called Pen America Best Debut Short Stories 2017. Laura Chow Reeve is a relatively new author, which makes this story all the more impressive. Primarily, it's a story about memories, about remembering and forgetting. She bridges the physical world with the world of the intangible quite a bit in this story. And if you've ever thought about how we keep memories and feelings alive or how we forget them, this story has a very fascinating way of looking at that. Another thing I think this story brings up is the idea of traditions, both familial and cultural, and deciding whether certain traditions are helpful or harmful. Is something that has use for one person actually universally good for everyone? And finally, just something to listen out for, the story is told in the first person from the point of view of a young woman, but is interspersed with the memories of her Chinese grandmother, whom she calls Popo. And I think that's all I'll give you for now. Okay, so if you're ready, let's take a deep breath. I love this part of the show. Okay, are you ready? Here we go. One Thousand Year Old Ghosts by Laura Chow Reeve. Popo taught me to pickle memories when I was thirteen. It's just like cucumbers, radishes, cabbage. I learned to cut them into even squares. Memories, cut like apples, 
The knife slides through their protective skin with a crisp snap. I packed them in jars filled with salt, sugar, vinegar, and water. No herbs and spices, because they can distort the memories, make them seem too sweet or too bitter. It's a family secret, she said to me. It allows you to forget. Forget what? I asked. Anything. Forgetting does not come easily to the women in our family. We have our jars. What are we trying to forget, Popo? So many questions. Chop this into smaller pieces. We started with minor moments. One, when I dropped my underwear on the floor of the changing room after swim practice at school, and Abigail Kincaid picked it up and showed the whole class. Two, the time I tugged on a strange woman's skirt in a Costco checkout line because I thought, for a second that she was my mother. Three, a recurring nightmare of being alone in an abandoned building with no way to get out. How do you feel? She asked after the first lids were tightened. It felt like clenching and unclenching my jaw, like a steady beat of tension and release. It felt like being full and empty at the same time. Instead of telling her this, I shrugged. She never asks him about a future where he does not come back. When she is alone, she prays that he will return to her. She asks him what he would like for dinner. Before they go to bed, she prays that business will stay good. Their silence is steady and it endures. It is a silence they have agreed to. He travels back and forth between their apartment in San Francisco and southern China. It is rare to have a husband whose body tastes like the Pacific Ocean. It is rare to have a husband made mostly of salt. I was Popo's daughter's daughter, but our saltwater bond was stronger than blood. We exhausted my mother. Ma, why are you teaching her that? She asked. It was a gray Sunday morning, and Popo was helping me pickle a few things. It had been a bad week. Because you won't, Popo said. Do you have your own jars, Mom? I asked. I had searched for them without any luck. No, she said. Like Popo, my mother was good at shutting down conversations. There were so many times that she felt far away. My arms could never quite reach her. That's not true, Anne, Popo said. We made you one or two when you were younger. You remember that. Is that right? Mom wasn't looking at either of us. She was still holding a paper napkin she had used at breakfast. She was trying to smooth out the creases with her fingers. Yes, Popo said. I'm sick of this. My mother's fingers tore the napkin to pieces. 
How come you decide what all of us remember or forget? There was water in her eyes. I wanted to wipe it away for her, but I was afraid her tears would not be like mine. I was afraid my mother was not made of salt. You know what, Ma? My mother said. I remember everything. The street outside their apartment is loud, the way city streets tend to be. The sound drifts in through the open windows of their front room, and she lets it fill up the space he left behind. It sits in his favorite chair, the blue one, next to the fireplace. After it is well rested, it moves across the front room and embeds itself into the cracks in the floorboards. It touches all of his books and then settles into his side of the bed. She holds it as she falls asleep. She smells it the next morning in her hair. She keeps it there until the rest of the city wakes up and it makes its way outside again. When he comes home, he shuts the windows and says he is tired of loud noises. He tells her how the ocean roars and the wind cracks. He tells her he has been looking forward to the silence of home. My mother went through my room to find my jars and display them on the kitchen counter. They would confront me when I got home from school. One day, after she had found five of them tucked in my sock drawer, my mother told me to sit down with her. I know Popo thinks this is best, but memories are important, even when they are painful. I'm concerned about you, she said. Both of you. I'm fine, Mom. Popo is fine, I said. She's not fine. Her short-term memory is getting worse. She forgets where she puts things. She doesn't show up to appointments. She can't even tell me what she had for breakfast some days. Popo isn't fine. Her voice was clear and calm, but it bounced inside my head until it ached. I looked at my jars on the kitchen counter and tried to remember what was in them. They could have been anyone's jars. The liquid inside was murky, almost gray. I wanted to open them up. I wanted to push them off the ledge to see them break open. Do you really remember everything? I asked her. I tried to remember stories about her before she had me, ones that she must have told me, but I couldn't find any. Nobody remembers everything, she said. But you told Popo... I was upset. Tell me what you remember, then. We stayed at the kitchen table, and she talked. The darkness slipped into the room and sat down with us. I couldn't see my mother's gaze through the dark. We hadn't turned the lights on, but I could feel it on my skin. Things she told me. Popo would prepare for Gungung's homecomings with his favorite dishes— winter melon soup, and salted duck. Popo would wear a pink dress on those days because she said Gungung was tired of the blues and greens of the ocean. Popo's comforter was white and felt like velvet, even though it was only made of cotton. Popo would let my mother sleep with her when Gungung was away. My mother 
met my father when they both worked for an insurance company in downtown Sacramento. They were both already married, but my father asked my mother out for a drink one day after work, and she said yes. Popo liked my father because he was really American, unlike my mother's first husband, who grew up in Chinatown like them. My parents loved each other so much that she was never hungry. When my father left without saying goodbye, my mother ate everything in the refrigerator and the pantry and the cupboards. The memories came in pieces. Sometimes she stumbled, searched for something else to tell me. She wanted to fill the silence but didn't have enough words. When she was done, she asked me how I felt, and I didn't have the heart to tell her that it felt the same. It felt like clenching and unclenching my jaw, like a steady beat of tension and release. I felt full and empty at the same time. She is less lonely now that she has Anne. She has something to hold on to when she walks through Chinatown, something to ground her to the sidewalk. She used to think that she would float away. Now she walks with purpose. She teaches Anne how to say apple and block in English. She does not talk to her in Cantonese. When she does not know the word she is looking for in English, she says nothing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. I was hours into a hunt for new digs at the local shopping mall and losing steam fast when fate intervened. Drumsticks, get your drumsticks. Nutty, sweet drumstick. What luck. One drumstick, please. Here you go. This is hot and made of chicken. I want an ice-cold, creamy, crunchy drumstick Sunday cone. You and me both, buddy. But that's the vendor next door. Drumsticks. But that line is three miles long. Oh, well. Another day, another drumstick. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 
As I got older, I filled my jars, and it was a feeling larger than relief. I poured out jams, mayonnaise, and peanut butter. I clogged every drain in the house to create a space to put myself away. One, the song that was playing when I lost my virginity to a boy who changed the sheets right after. Two, the white woman at the grocery store who told me I was prettier because I wasn't full Chinese. Her hands in my hair. You're so lucky, she said. Three, the men who leered at me when I walked down the street and the one who told me, I've never had one like you before. Four, how my mother looked after the spindled cancer cells settled into her body. Five, the woman on the bus who spoke to me in Cantonese and how I did not know how to respond. I searched for words that someone should have taught me and I couldn't find them anywhere. Popo never warned me not to let it become a habit, a practice, a daily ritual. Mom wasn't around to count my jars, display them, remind me of things I had already forgotten, witness my slow dissolve. I made the pickling liquid in large batches. I bought sugar and vinegar in bulk. My jars overflowed and spilled onto my hands until they stung. Every time he comes back, he feels more foreign. He says, Nehao ma? But she responds in English. She practices. With Anne, she learns new words every day. One day, Anne's children will not know how to speak our language, he tells her. She wants to say, maybe that will be for the best. They will stop longing for things they cannot have. There will be no reason to leave. Not everyone can live in between things. Not everyone can survive being split into two. There are fish that die in salt water. Popo drank a glass of salt water every night before her evening prayers. One night I asked why, and she said it was a leftover habit from when my gungung would travel. He died on his way back to China. Did you know that? You told me, I said. I just wanted to make sure you didn't forget. She poured salt into the bottom of an empty glass, then filled the glass with water at the kitchen sink. She took her time, drank it while she was reading a magazine. I had never asked for a glass, and she had never offered. Popo, I asked after her glass was washed and set down to dry. What do you put in your jars? I don't remember, she said. That is their purpose. But aren't there things you wish you hadn't forgotten? I asked. She looked at me for a long time before she answered. No, she said. Then she added in a softer voice, Sometimes I think there are not enough jars in this city. For me to fill. He is dying, but refuses to die in America. 
I am going home, he says. I cannot be buried here. He makes the necessary travel arrangements. He plans to leave in only a few weeks. You are leaving me here, she says to him. Yes. What am I supposed to do without you, she asks. What about Anne? What does it matter? I'm dying either way. He looks at her and smiles. You don't want my ghost to haunt you. It's better for both of us if I go. Yes, she says. You're right. To guarantee that she is not haunted by her dead husband, she stuffs most of what she has of him into 37 glass jars. She leaves only enough to tell her future grandchildren, one, his name, two, his occupation, three, where he was born, four, where he died, five, the saltiness of his breath. She does not have a backyard to bury the jars, so she pushes him underneath her bed instead. The first night that she sleeps with them, she hears a steady humming that keeps her awake. It never goes away, and she never moves the jars. Instead, she learns to live with the hum until she forgets it is even there. Anne, grab me the measuring cups, she said one afternoon. Popo, I said, I'm Katie. Anne was my mother. Her eyebrows furrowed. She moved around me and grabbed the measuring cups for herself. Please stop. This is making you sick, I said. She continued to measure and chop. She licked her index finger dipped it into a bowl of salt in front of her, and then popped it back into her mouth to taste. I wanted to imitate her, feel the small grains on my own tongue, but I stopped myself. I'm close, she said. Close to what? What else could you have to forget? I slammed my hands on the counter. Her bowl of salt shook. We stood in silence until she said, I love you. But I wish I remembered how to say it the other way. What do you mean? I asked. The tears on her face looked almost milky white. There was a way I used to say it. I don't remember the words. I used to say it to someone, she said. Do you remember? No, Popo, I said. I don't. When she takes care of Katie, she does not put her down. Katie's skin is soft underneath her fingertips, and she wonders how much sadness this little body can take. She smells just like Anne did when she was a baby, but looks so different. There are only traces of Anne, and it makes Katie harder to hold on to. She is half ghost. If she puts Katie down, She will disappear, and she will not be able to find her again. She holds on to her because this is not a thing she can let go of.
By the end, her pickling process had picked up speed. Everything I loved became smaller and smaller until she started to break apart in my hands and fall through my permanently wrinkled fingertips. Seven years after my mom died, she finished dissolving. My memory was shaky. Most of the water in my body was salt. I no longer had difficulty forgetting it came easily with or without a jar. Remembering was harder. As I packed up her home, I looked for all the places that Popo had put herself to rest. I walked through each room, sat on each chair, picked up each knick-knack, ran my fingers over every book's spine. I went through all of her drawers, her closets. I took every lid off every box. Jars were hidden everywhere. She was right. There hadn't been enough jars in the city to hold everything she needed to put away. She had started to fill milk jugs and ice cream pints. Even her shampoo bottles and toothpaste tubes had memories stuffed inside them. I laid them out in her living room. They took up every inch of the floor. I balanced them on top of each other. They sank between couch cushions. One or two rolled behind the television. I played a childhood game to choose one. My mother said to pick the very best one, and that is... Like the others, its contents blurred in the murky liquid. I wanted to say that it looked familiar, but, of course, it didn't. I pulled on the lid, but my hands kept slipping. I was too weak, or the jar was too strong, or whatever was inside didn't want to be taken back. I threw it against the wall. The glass shattered, the liquid dripped to the floor, and the memory clung to the paint. Its smell surprised me. Orange peels and baby powder. Popo was holding my mother's head in her lap, pushing her hair back with her hands, cooing to her softly. The memory played in a loop, but each time something was slightly different. Sometimes Popo's shirt was a different color. Sometimes my mother's head rested on her shoulder. Sometimes my mother looked older or younger. I couldn't pick it up entirely. It kept slipping out of my hands. One by one, I opened the rest of them. Some smelled rancid, like death. These were ones of her travels from China. Her first few years living in San Francisco, my mother's sickness and funeral. Many smelled like the ocean, like Gung Gung's seawater breath, like the smells that made up her heartbreak. The ones of me smelled like vanilla yogurt and strawberries. The floor was wet. I lay down in the mess and let my clothes soak it all up. If my mother and Popo had been there, I would have told them this. One, I still long for things I cannot have. Two, I am not split in two, but I am still living between things. Three, we are drowning in all this salt water.
So I love this story um, because it's about so many things that uh, I have an interest in and an affinity for. The idea of of memories. You know, in in the story of Roots, um, all of the memories were contained. And this is a genuine West African tradition. There is a person in the tribe called the Grio who learns the history of the region, of the people, the genealogy of the families, and their sole job for the entirety of their lives is to learn and recite the history of the people. They are the repositories of the people's memories. And how we have tended to deal with memories and the proliferation of them and the passing on of them is an integral part of of culture. It's an integral part of the the journey, our journey of evolution um, as as a species. Today we have, you know, we have so many different ways to to gather memories and store them, and those methods are always changing. From you know, from from Polaroid pictures, which hardly exist anymore, you know, to to to, to camcorders, and now all of the recording is done on a device you can hold in your hand. This story speaks to how memories are literally physically captured in jars, the bad ones, right? The ones that you want to forget. They capture them in jars. There's a there's a process to it, that there is a recipe that is involved. There's a, a tradition um, and a ritual involved in capturing those memories and, and, and putting them away um, so that they can be stored safely on a shelf. I, I, I'm fascinated by that idea because for me, you know, memories can can be wonderful, and they can also trip us up. We can certainly, if we allow ourselves to get caught into a loop of of a negative memory, it can discombobulate our present, right? I am acutely aware in my own family um, of the power of memory, and the and and there's power in who controls. You know, the memory, there, there's actually, it, it comes up in this story. You know, it's asked, why are you the one who gets to say, you know, what we remember and how we remember it? And, and that's certainly true in, in my family. I think it's true in a lot of families. Like, the, the narrative of, of my mother's side of the family and how she fits in. And, you know, my mother's a, a Depression-era child. And so I know she went through a lot growing up. But my mother will not talk about her past. She, she just do, she doesn't feel, she's actually said, I don't feel comfortable sharing those things about my life with you. And I feel sometimes that there's a gap in my knowledge about who my mother is. I have tons of knowledge and information about her that come from my experience with her. And I can sort of project backwards and try and fill in the pieces, but she certainly does control access to her memories and how they have impacted my life. So I, I, I get and really relate very intimately to that family dynamic that's expressed in Laura's story. Um, the elders in the family do indeed oftentimes control the way memories are disseminated in the family and, and how, how that narrative 
evolves and gets passed on is sometimes due to gaps in the story. You know, that those stories are sometimes full of holes because there's certain information that dies when the, you know, when the teller passes on. So, yeah, I, I definitely believe in the power of the personal narrative, the family story, and how, how they shape our present and our future, as well as reflect where we've come from, what our past looks like. LeVar Burton Reads is produced by Julia Smith. Our editing and sound design is by Adam Dybert. And as always, a big ups to Mr. Matt Gorley. And my special thanks to the good people at Little Everywhere for their help in producing this episode. And my undying thanks to Laura Chow-Reeve and Catapult for allowing me to read 1,000-Year-Old Ghosts today. You can find it in the brand new anthology, Pen America, Best Debut Short Stories 2017. It's out this month from Catapult Books. And go to Laura's website and check her out, laurachowfun.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-C-H-O-W-F-U-N.com. And please, if you like the show and want to help other people find it, give us a rating or review us on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, why not leave a suggestion for a story you'd like to hear me read on the show? I love hearing your thoughts and comments about the podcast. We'll be back next week with another handpicked story. Or if you can't wait that long, listen to the next episode right now on Stitcher Premium. All you have to do is go to stitcherpremium.com slash LeVar. Or if you're listening in Stitcher, just tap the menu button in your app and select Premium. And they'll slide you one month for free. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Ginny Radelette. I'm LeVar Burton, and you can find me on Twitter at at LeVar Burton and LeVar.Burton on Instagram. And if you have kids and want to expose them to terrific literature, check out Skybrary. You can find Skybrary, my digital library of books and videos, on the App Store, Android, Kindle, and at LeVarBurtonKids.com. I'll see you next time. But you don't have to take my word for it. Stitcher. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I was hours into a hunt for new digs at the local shopping mall and losing steam fast when fate intervened. Drumsticks, get your drumsticks. Nutty, sweet drumstick. What luck. One drumstick, please. Here you go. This is hot and made of chicken. I want an ice-cold, creamy, crunchy drumstick sundae cone. You and me both, buddy. Well, that's the vendor next door. Drumsticks. But that line is three miles long. Oh, well. Another day, another drumstick.